Part 1. The Call Stanley, careful not to move his head, gazed across the field to find his cousin. He could not make him out in the faces of over a thousand men. Standing at attention, he tried to train his eyes to the left, hoping to see Lady Borden present the colours. He must have moved ever so slightly. Baudelaire! Sergeant MacDougall whispered his name like a hoarse ventriloquist. Eyes front! Stanley knew that his parents and his siblings, all ten of them, were somewhere behind him in the audience. His mind started to stray. His thoughts had wandered more than usual since he'd enlisted in the army. He thought of fishing in the bay at Hackett's Cove, and rowing the skiff along the shore on warm, sunny summer mornings, and how sometimes he would just drift, hanging his head over the gunwale and staring down at the floor of the bay, watching for mackerel, lobsters and crabs. He thought of school, and he thought of Lily, and wondered what she thought of him now. Suddenly a deep melancholy enveloped him as he realised this might be one of his last days in the province. It was overcast and raining softly on the common at Aldershot. The young men who would be soldiers standing stiff and straight in their drab brown uniforms, the plainness offset by their rosy cheeks and bright eyes so full of pride and dreaming. The city streets and dirt roads of the provinces were silent with the bells that hung from the recruitment cars as they drove from town to town. The cars stopped for water and for fuel and for anyone who flagged them down. The young men filed up to the vehicles, their minds filled with the fields of glory that would not keep, and the boys ran to the cars to see the officers in their uniforms. The girls hurried to the porches and doorways to see which boys approached the cars, and the mothers, hating the cars, stared out the kitchen windows, over the top of the recruiters, and into the blue rolling hills beyond, the weight of worry and sadness obvious in their eyes. The common was quieted now by the solemnity of the occasion, a quiet made softer by the haunting silence that always follows after the bagpipes stop, when one feels that prideful, lonely, warm feeling in their gut. It was September the 26th, 1916. The flag of the 85th Battalion of the Nova Scotia Highlanders, along with those of the other battalions of the regiment, were consecrated by chaplains of the brigade, and the Prime Minister's wife, Lady Borden, presented the King's and regimental colours to the colour-bearers of the various battalions. The flags were beautiful. On the 85th was embroidered in gold on a maroon field the battalion's official Gaelic motto, Shall na fear, fear breed of manly men. Dedicated trains had been sent to Aldershot, paid for by the government for the special occasion, and they brought thousands of people from all over the province. It was a day long remembered by those who attended. In just a few months, the Nova Scotia Highlanders had joined the battalions that had become the pride of the province. The Pictou Highlanders the Fighting 25th, and others. For several days, tourists and holiday seekers had already been travelling to the military camp at Aldershot to watch the 85th at work. For hundreds of the visitors on the drizzly September day, it would be the last time to visit and speak with their sons.